Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. Tonight is our 52nd show. We hit the 50 mark, and then I came back after a couple weeks off, a little under the weather, and put together the next show. It was a dance between 50 and 51, even those almost three weeks that went by. It was the waiting of the Mueller report. So, and there's been a lot come out, and dribble, 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 and uh, the craziness. You know, I've been advised by my advisory board, that's my wife, to um, get off the news. There's, well, it's interesting, but too much is too much, and usually it's just a whole bunch of nothing. Things change, and I think the thing I like most about watching our entire political environment, and for that matter, the state of our world, or our country at least, the poor world, you know, we had the Notre Dame fire. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. The, well, I'm not sure if it's the original, but the second one, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, because there was a first, and it was like Lon Chaney or somebody that, and it was pretty good, but it was almost like a silent movie, you know, transposing French culture and all these things they tried to do silently. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's not a silent movie, really. It's just not a lot of vocal. Anyway, the next one, it's a 50s or something treatment. And The Hunchback is pretty cool. And he loves Esmeralda. And, you know, it was just, uh, well, my kids, they they mock me. When I was a boy, I used to mock my old people, Grandpa, and all the other ones. that They started talking about the good old days and stuff. But I think that movie was even older when I was young. Yeah, it might have been new, but still. It was a pretty good, you know, interplay of emotions and what it must have been like to crawl around up in that belfry up there. So all that burned, and it's sad, and they'll rebuild it, and you get the cries now, the, uh, you know, starving people in the world, and you'll spend billions to fix this old church, and you won't rebuild the churches in the South that burn the historic churches, and these are all a lot of false comparisons, and I mean, they're worth looking into, but that's true. I look at it like, just let's thank goodness for the things that do get done. And when you assign money to projects, and government gets involved for sure. There's usually corruption in the sense of malfeasance or incompetence or... Just the inability to, I don't know, 
conceptualize order. Big bureaucracies don't really lend towards the uh, being the pillars of efficiency. Most of the time, they're webs of labyrinths of fall into, and nobody knows. Nobody knows how it all works. A lot of people know what they do, and maybe a little bit more, but... So if you can't even comprehend the size and shape of the government, you know, this L.A. County, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think it's $32.5 billion. That's the county's budget for this year. Now, did you hear what I said? That's not like million dollars. It's double in millions what our city, you know, our city's 170-some million a year. So if you think about doubling that and then going times 100, what, you know, what, what, where can that money go? What can it do? It employs a lot of people, a lot of trucks roll around. I, I see this stuff. So something's getting done. But it just it just seems enormous. And our homeless stuff, you know, I've been, well, trying to figure out how, how it's all going to shape out. Because the county still has this fresh influx of money from the bond measure that's supposed to help the homeless people. And it's just a, such a complex thing. And no two homeless situations are the, the same. And there are people that are resistant to help. And these are just the common things that people will tell you. But, you know, the better you take care of people like that, the more people come. It's just like our southern border. People are fleeing these places that any crap America gives them is probably better than where they left. So if you can just understand that, you understand the draw. It's, it's powerful. People are the same. They want their children to have a chance. My goodness. Can you imagine that's the standard, that our children would have a chance? So we have to give that. Now, he's probably went into the John and there's no justice in life other than your own magic, and magic is the demonstration of mental power. And I just got done talking about how no one has the mental power to demonstrate how county government functions or, you know, explain it. Give me two minutes and whoa. So, but the application of the focus, that's that's demonstration of mental power and that's magic and you have to do that. You have to just hope that you'll get it. You know, don't get frustrated with, oh, I'll never understand this. It's an openness. It's a continuation of you know, awareness, I guess, that comes to you as you build and grow. And you know that from anything you've done well or learned how to do through the years, even, you know, some of us probably don't remember school and how we learned to write and certainly how we learned to read. And 
somebody was there telling us letters and somehow all that stuff just came together. And a lot of times that's a long time ago. So, but here we are just trying to figure this stuff out. The Mueller report lays out how Trump told this White House lawyer, Don McGahn, he's not Trump's lawyer. He doesn't, he represents the presidency, not the president. So he's there to uphold the integrity of the office. And he had to do that by just not doing things that Trump told him to do. And then he told Robert Mueller. So now Trump's all mad because what Don McGahn said is out there. And this is this is the thing. Do you realize that what is been uncovered or put into the report has to do with the, oh, I'm trying to mock Trump, forgive me, God, origin story. So the origin story winds up being that all these FISA warrants put out by a lawful court to surveil individuals that our intelligence agencies were tipped off through whatever means that you know, these people are having contact with these foreign players, and my goodness, let's just listen in and see what the heck happens. All this stuff was before there was Trump. And the other stuff about the dossier and the salaciousness, and he claims people fabricate that stuff, there were reports picked up on these wires by intelligence about conversations that even Michael Cohen had where they're telling him that there is this tape from the Moscow trip and don't worry, we got it under control. And, and that's a scary prospect. But so all of this stuff had nothing to do with a witch hunt or any of that. It all happened before Trump even became president. And what's happened since is just this inability to understand that Russia is not our friend. They're our geopolitical adversary and their entire mission for 50, 70 years is to unhinge, destroy, defeat, impede, whatever, harm America any way they can to keep them down so they may get up. And, I, you know, the Russians, you're great. You had some good rockets, and I mean, you did a lot of good stuff. So we could be friends, but your leaders want to restore the Soviet Union to glory and, you know, cripple America. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's what you guys do. So now... Uh, Putin is meeting with Kim Jong-un. They're having a summit like Trump did with the guy, and who knows? You know, it seems all so crazy, and Joe Biden's in the race, and Trump is tweeting and going after Biden. and It's so unpresidential, but... Well, that's what's happening. There's just tidbits and tidbits coming out in the Mueller report. And 
crazy things that Trump said and people rejected. And there's all these other indictments that are out there, you know, in the Southern District. So we will see. We will see what happens. I'm going to talk more light in life when we come back from our break. And my goodness, just read the Mueller report. I try and think about what's happening in our country all the time. I try and figure a way to help a little bit, somebody, just one person. And then sometimes I realize, well, that might be silly. Because in essence, we have to help ourselves. And to do that, we have to better understand what's going on around us. And just strive. Strive to be a better person. And then those helpful incidents occur. They present themselves. We respond. And you have to do that deliberately on purpose. So we just finished watching On the Basis of Sex, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie. She was a young woman in the end. The Ruth, we all know, made a cameo walking up the Supreme Court steps. It was a pretty good, you know, good movie. Cool. Well acted. Because the woman, the actress, had to play the nuances of a driven person that still had compassion and just really the right settings. So I write these cards down, and they're points to think about, look at later and remember, or even, you know, put into the show. And with all the Mueller report stuff, it does seem important to talk about something else, because there is a continuation of the mockery that's just made of our system of justice. And I will tell you that... There have been times, and maybe even yesterday, that I thought that some facet of government doesn't work right, that it's so screwed up that it really works against us, and it makes me wonder the sensibility of the lawmakers putting these laws in. So I'm not I'm not perfect and overjoyed with everything America. I am excited about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the ability to get in there and work to make this great thing better. That's all. It's just, you know, I uh, wrote this silly one, don't stew, just do. And there's some lamenting, and the older you get, perhaps the more regrets you have. So I'm not immune to some stewing. But I try and catch myself as soon as I can realizing that the solution is to do something about it and not just forge ahead pointlessly, but to even stand and resolve to do better. That's 
That's doing something. Putting a mental note in that you're just going to do it. You know, the uh, movie was pretty cool. Because here you have a young woman driven. And not everybody's driven like that, though. See? That's that's the thing. Not everyone is a Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We're not all that. We would probably like to be, and we're inspired by her story. But, you know, you're talking about dealing with a sick husband and young baby children and pursuing a law degree, going to Harvard Law School. The pressure is enormous. Not to mention that women just didn't get in there. It took a while to even get women to be able to be allowed to go to law school. And that's one of the points that the actress makes in the movie in the end. When she talks about 100 years from that time back, she wouldn't have even been allowed to practice law. So her arguments were sound and compassionate and salient. And she reminded the court of that progress, you know, we're just getting better. And just because it hasn't been better in a long time in certain ways, sexist roles and pay and all these other things that the very unequal rights that women have constantly had. I mean, it doesn't it seem hard to believe that this is society, we're still trying to work that out. We're trying to get things fair and equal and that's all it needs to be it's just you know the equality of opportunity and you get outcomes based on many many things but at least in that setting the number one requirement is what you're willing to put in what you're willing to do how you're ready to contribute so, and like I said, I stand, I model, standing on my own authority. And that's the only way you can stand on what matters. So, yeah, there's a lot of times you have to keep your mouth shut to keep your job or not start a fight or whatever it is. And we work on that. I have this, um, I call it pre-awakening zeal. And it's mostly related to religion, but it can be related to politics. I mean, like when you're young and naive and gung-ho America, and please, I hope other people can slip the name of their country in there and feel just as patriotic. So if you were brought up like I was, relatively well-off, we weren't poor and there weren't horrible things constantly happening, and I got to go to school and church and hear about well, God and Jesus, but also our country. And that's that pre-awakening zeal. You haven't thought these things through, but you're really into it. And there's no zeal like that, that young, starry-eyed, ambitious person to just be the best they can be. Then reality sets in, and you learn that some things don't make sense on both sides of that ball religion or politics or self-governance, if you will. And then you have to realize that from then on, once you wake up and realize, it's up to you. So no one can save you. No one can guarantee your political liberties will stay intact. 
or even you'll get them for the first time. Can you imagine we didn't let women vote? That's a hundred years ago. And that seems like a long time. The Civil Rights Act, 55 years ago. It seems like a long time. Beginning of Vietnam, 50, 60 years ago. But all these things are still with us. They still haunt people. I remember all those things, and I guess that makes me a little older, but it's a lifetime. It's a life spread of what's going on. And so I have seen things that were just taken for granted. There were still, I mean, even in the 60s, segregated places that, in the South, you know, not much in the North, but just places where you just couldn't sit down and eat lunch and be comfortable and get a job because you're a woman or a minority or go to college. And so that's, we wake up and we realize that the institutions that hold us up we need to hold them up. We need to make them better. We need to challenge them to be better. And we just need to differentiate between the subtleties of the play. Now, this week, I had a city council meeting, and you know I love to go to them. And the mayor, I have uh, one friend who comes, Shannon. She brought her daughter because the little cute little kid, seven or eight years old, likes to draw, likes the mayor. So she came to see the mayor, and he didn't show up. So they were a little disappointed. But that's kind of neat that a kid will go to a meeting just because a civic person, an official, gives her some attention, and she likes it. And all that's great stuff. Disappointment wasn't so good. But here I am, I'm watching this stuff, and one of the nice things... You know, we got a skate park, and it's in a park that's local, that's not well used. It's got a summer pool, so there are there is activity there. But it's a neat park, and a lot of skaters came, and a lot of people put their two cents in. My friend Fran, she's in a wheelchair. And all of us, we all participated. So by the time the city makes the movie to tout this thing, Sure, there are a few of the surf dudes that are scoping the thing out, but all the people like me, you're just cut out. You don't see them. I was there. I brought my son twice. We participated. And it was a fun, fun time. Now, when you see the movie, we're not in there. But the mayor's son, who's now, he put him on the planning commission... He's prominent in the middle, holding up a sign, like implying that he had everything to do with this, and he really had very little. The mayor wants him to get his footprint or thumbprint or whatever the hell on it, but he didn't. And he just had to put him in a movie. So, I don't know. Those kinds of things, as a dad, I can figure that I would help promote my son. But to rewrite things, and you know, it's the way he uses those cameras. He uh, denies civil liberties by not allowing you to have your face seen when you're addressing the council on a matter that's not on the agenda. You can't have face. You can't see how you look. No one at home can watch you 
except look at your back end while you're addressing the council. It's just so wrong. It's a grudge, a grievance that the mayor has against me and others, I'm sure, but he claims that people like to showboat and get on camera and sit where they, you know, so what? The person speaking has the right to be heard. And I closed out this week with a request. You know, I knew the former sheriff, Leroy Baca. I called him my friend, and he was very kind to me. I felt guilty the amount of time he gave me in the conversations we had. And then I met a woman who did the survey for the city, and she was also mentored much more profoundly than me by Lee Baca. And now, you know, she was a police chief, and now she does this consulting to make things better. And it was just odd that I ran into her and Leroy has been, you know, he lost his appeal or something. So he's one step away from going to prison for a screwed up situation in the LA County jail that was beyond anybody's ability to control. So I asked our councilwoman, Angela Underwood Jacobs, she's running for Congress. She's going to take on Katie Hill, and she's been in the Oval Office and talked to Trump. And I asked her, just considering all that, why don't you just call the White House and ask if they'll give this, you know, nationally renowned sheriff a pardon for crimes that were really beyond his control. And you got to parse that out. A lot of people want to just be mad at law enforcement and authority in general. But I happen to know how deeply concerned this man was for help, getting help, finding a solution. You know, like I said, this is a problem no one can solve. But there should be some compassion, and that's what I asked to do. So if that happens, I will have defended my friend and gotten him something that... I don't know if I would like it if this president did it for anyone else. I don't know what Joe Arpaio did, didn't do, but he treated people badly. Leroy Baca never did. And I hope we can get him a pardon. Mm-hmm.